Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends, our season nine premiere. Our, I mean, this is our finale, season finale already. Oh, please help right. me. <laughs> our guest, Summer, yes, Ms. Summer Lane, who has been with us pretty much the whole season. How are you doing, Summer? I'm okay. You're okay? You're yeah. okay? You, I, I heard it's a little chilly where you are compared to what, where we were the last time we were live on the show when we were both complaining about it, it was hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I was, um, when I got down here, I was just like, it's so hot. I want, I'm ready to cool down. And then, like, as soon as Labor Day kind of turned the corner, it was like, okay, let yeah. me calm it down a little bit and a little bit more. <laughs> so, <laughs> it feels good, though. It really feels good, though, this in-between, so. Do you think it's going to be like a cold? Some people are like, I think, remember when the summer was getting here, we really didn't have like a, a real spring. It kind of went from winter to hot. So they were mm-hmm. like, oh, it's going to be a hot summer. So I'm wondering, because it's kind of cool here. Today was like 70, in the 70s, compared to in the wow. 90s. Yeah. yeah. So we were like, oh, and there were people actually at work that had the little jackets on. I was like, really? This this is perfect for me. Fall yeah. Year. Favorite time of the year, so I'm 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 real good with it. I think it's gonna be. I think we're gonna have a, a, a cold summer because um, we're a little southern, and my mom is a little uh, a little further down, and they're they're cool, and they're usually not this um you know it's not this cool at this time. So I think I think we're gonna have a, a cold fall and a very cold winter. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So, anything else going um, going on in your world right about now? How are you been situated with this new area? Um, no, nothing new. I, um, as far as getting situated, I've um, browsed a little bit. Oh, I went to went out with a friend, and we went to uh, a speakeasy, which what a, was um, huh? What is a speakeasy? So the one we went to, it was like upstairs was like a sports bar, but you went downstairs and the lights were like basically dimmed to off and everything was like lit up with candlelight. Mm-hmm. And the guy came in and kind of told us that it originally used to be an underground jazz, I think he said underground jazz club. So mm-hmm. he was like, uh, you know, some of the greats actually performed there, um, like Coltrane and um, he said Anita Baker performed there and some other, you know, some other jazz legends from back in the day. Um, so it was very like, it was a really nice vibe and really good um, food and it was no music going, but it was just the ambiance of um, kind of like a, how, how Harlem, remember Harlem Nights? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. How if you walked into there, yeah. So that's kind of the 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 feel of the place. Just dim the lights a little bit, but that's kind of how the feel of the place was. So was it like like an older crowd, younger crowd, or what, what did you see? 
Um, it was honestly, it was like a mixed type of crowd. So I, it, I think people, you know, knew about it. So it was some, and the food was really good. So I think it was some people were going more, probably more for the um, food itself and the ambiance. But the drinks were really good. We had like a um, a smoking a pecan uh, old fashioned. Mm-hmm. Somehow they like you know put it in like this bottle or or in a glass and then you open it and then like smoke a puff of smoke came out of it. So I think really people were going for you know the aesthetic of everything, but mm-hmm. it's still like if they would have put just if they would have added like a touch of jazz, like a soft, oh it would have just set it all on top. Oh. And that's called a speakeasy. I've I've never heard of that. I wonder if that's just in Charlotte or is that something that's nationwide? I've never heard of. It. No, they have they have some speakeasies in DC too, but I think it might just depends on what's going on because I think there's different type of speakeasies because there's some that I know that you have to kind of like knock on the door and go in, and sometimes they're like um, doing like poetry or spoken word or doing jazz or you know, so it depends. But no, I've heard of them. They got some in DC too. Okay. All right. All right. So we have for tonight, you know, we have our final guest, Ms. Elaine Mercedes Mendoza. She's gonna to talk to us about labels. Um she has a fascinating story and how she got started with this. She also gave us a, a TED talk with um talking about the power of labels to change your story. Um, she's a person that's in the LGBTQ community as well, and you know I'm excited about her coming on in the second half of the show. But right now we're going to kick things off with our last discussion for the season of the hot topic. And I, I, I chose some things tonight that were not too heavy. Um, you know, some of them are really kind of petty, but just so that we can laugh and relax and you know have a little bit of fun this last this last show of the season. So we're going to kick things off with our girl, Martha Stewart. So you know Martha Stewart, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So she admits that she's wished before that some of her friends would die so that she could date their husband. So she said in an interview with Chelsea Handler, Martha said that sometimes she hopes uh, a man's wife would die, but not painfully. She said she insisted that she's never been a homeworker even when the opportunity presented itself. However, she admitted that while she has no problems meeting men, they're all married to friends of hers or something like that. So, you know, she's just waiting on a couple of them to die so that she can get with them. So I want to know, you know, what's your policy on dating the ex of some of your friends? Ooh. Um, I would say going forward, I wouldn't do that. Um, it wasn't, it it wasn't, um, you know, I kind of did that in college. Of course, we all kind of, um, did things that we weren't proud of in college, but, you know, we had like a little small group of people. It wasn't as though we were like continued friends. Like we, we were friends and really I was dating someone and then I graduated college. I went off away and you know the friends the friend group kind of stayed together in college but they weren't friends like that and so then I wind up dating someone out of the friend group separately after so but going forward no I don't think I could date someone that I if we were really close friends I don't think I could date your significant other I don't personally I don't even look at your 
a friend of mine, significant other, significant other in any any shape or fashion, you know, like romantically at all. And then also because usually if we're really good friends, you may have confided in me about some things that, you know, y'all may have went through and stuff like that. And no, like I got a side eye now, you know. (laughs) Okay, so what would you consider a friend? Is that like somebody, like your circle that you hang with now and then here? Or is it anybody like that you've ever, you know, somebody you talk to maybe once every six months. Is that considered a friend? Um, no, I consider like a friend. I mean, I would con- I wouldn't date a friend like a true friend like you guys. Well, I can't, can't date none of y'all, but none of my friend group that <laughs> I currently have now here that I'm building yeah. friends with here either. Like. And even if I feel like I associated with you at one point in time and I knew your significant other, mm-hmm. I don't even look at your significant other outside of you. Like, I try to, if that makes sense. So when it comes to me and, like, in the lesbian community, typically if I'm friends with, like, the feminine one, I don't look at the masculine one in any way, shape, or form, other than that's just that significant other. Like, I try not to cross any boundaries. I try not to even, like, talk to them outside of being around mm-hmm. my friend because I don't want anyone to think that, you know, I may be looking at your significant other in any type of way. So okay. Okay. All right. I think it's a little different when it comes to being, you know, in a lesbian thing. So. Yeah. So – my situation, I don't know why, and I'm trying to think if I would be upset, because, okay, so before Justin, my previous, we were together 16 years, he was dating the guy that I called my brother. I mean, he was actually currently dating the guy I called my brother, and he introduced me to him, vibes went off, and I knew my brother was just using him because he was in the military for money, and we started kicking in. Oh, my God, does that mean I'm tacky? It's a little classless friend. <laughs> oh I think I might be a little. Um, yeah, and I don't. I don't I yeah, because you wasn't supposed I, I, to be yeah, like that. When it's over, I don't. I don't think there's enough people out here for you to be like. Let me go down this list of people. Have you ever? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't know. But there, it's enough people out here, friend, that you don't have to date your <laughs> your brother. Oh, why? Just because it didn't work between them two, don't mean it's not gonna work between us. But you're not supposed to be like that. You're supposed to. You're not supposed to even look at them in that way. Like you may admire someone because you have eyes and think that they're attractive, but I could never be like, oh, I think that if they were not together, I could sleep with that person. I know. Really? I can go. For, I. Can, I now, if y'all stop, if you and your brother stopped being, you know, five, ten years down the road, and mm-hmm. then y'all bumped into each other, you know, in Miami or something like that, that's a different story. But if we in the same, if we in Norfolk, okay, sir, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. Okay. All right. Maybe there's something else I need to lay on the couch for and talk about. <laughs> what is it about me? Okay. Well, all right. Next you want topic. what you can't have? Me? Mhm. Is it is it is it a rush? Is it a challenge? Just in general. 
something you mean, no. I mean, and it's the only time is uh, that's what I was thinking. It's the only time that that has ever happened. And I'm trying to think, and that happened because I know my brother, and he already told me, come meet this guy. He's in the military, and he was dating other people, so I knew what the process was going to be. He was going to get the money, mm-hmm. and then be it. And I actually was a well. He was a, the person was attracted to me and got a message to me. Ah. And I was like, oh, okay, for real. And yeah, yeah I was young and stupid, so I'm just gonna talk okay. that I was young and stupid. I have not done it since. Right. And probably, and I'm probably sure I wouldn't. It would have to be somebody. I'm not gonna say no friend, but. Somebody who I don't deal with that I just know acquaintance, maybe someone like that, but nobody who is anywhere near close. I just I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that before I get hate mail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here's <laughs> here's uh, something from our favorite show. The what is it? The tonight's conversation, talking about um, infidelity. So you know, of course, we we have no gender here. So. It's geared towards men, but I'm going to open it up so that we can discuss it regarding your partner or a significant other in general. So here we go. A lot of you, a lot of men settle in relationships. Yes. What does that mean? Yeah, what that means is that you end up being with the girl yes. that will be with you and not the girl that you want to be with. Yes. Exactly. Women and do that's the same thing too. They do. And that's the reason why so many people are cheating because they're with people that they're not supposed to be with. Okay, so we're with women that will allow us to cheat on them is what you're saying? No, no. what I said is that you're with a woman that you're not supposed to be with, that you're not necessarily equally yoked with, that you're, uh-huh. that you're not aligned with. You uh-huh. might have and her was good. Yeah, that was true. that, and that's that. And, but and in reality, now in reality, three months down the line, here it is, y'all in a relationship, mm-hmm. and you're like, I don't really like to start cheating. You, you could just. I, I can agree. In in a lot of cases, and y'all let me know if I'm wrong. A lot of relationships, from a guy's uh, perspective, the reason why we are now girlfriend and boyfriend is because she just won't leave. <laughs> We just started. Yeah, you're weak enough to allow that to happen, though. It's your not about where. Well, no, we started liking the woman. Though. But yeah, it started off where we just want to have sex, and then it's just turning it. And then mm-hmm. we just get used to each other, and she's just a woman that is kind of like used to your sh- and used to her sh- And one day, she just like, yeah, I'm over here with my man. And then you just don't say nothing. And you allow that to happen. You're like, and next you know, thing you know, you know, why do you allow that to happen? Why? Okay. No, because it's weak. If that's yeah. not your woman, you tell her right then and there when she gets yeah. that phone. Baby, you know this ain't that. We really just. Yeah. It shouldn't have got comfortable. Uh, okay. All right. Listening to that, I was like, ah, okay. So how do you feel about what was said? Wow, it's just it's just very weird to hear, you know, these type of conversations. Um, <laughs> the fact that he was just like, I mean, she was she just won't leave, and it's just like what? Like so then you like the girl said, so then she won't leave, but you're not putting in the time or effort. You just get tired of her eventually, and then you decide I want to step out versus. Okay, she won't leave, but okay, maybe six months down the road, yeah, she won't leave, but I, that's not who I want to be with. So let me just go ahead and end it, mm-hmm. take the heartbreak for six months to a year, and then kind of move along. Mm. And the and title she, of it, the clip was, is is the reason men cheat is because they settled. So uh, listening to this, I mean, 
my spouse Justin and I, we've talked about it. When we met, you know, we met online, and I was probably about a year and a half out of my the long-term relationship I was in, and I was not looking for a relationship. I was pretty much, it was an unhealthy way of healing, and mm-hmm. I was just connecting. And like Justin, you know, he'll tell you, he came down there all the time. He lived like an hour and a half away. And mm-hmm. after work, 11 o'clock at night, he would come down, and we would spend time together, get it on, he would get up, go to work in the morning, come back. He just kept, <laughs> like <the guy. laughs> he kept coming. <laughs> and eventually, you know, we were like, okay, what's what's going to happen? I, I can't move to Richmond. He's like, well, I'm going to move down here. And um, I don't, I definitely don't think that I settled, but it was just like, I, and I remember eight months into the relationship, he was ready to propose. And I found out, and of course, I beat him to the punch. But it was I, I I did it the day that he was supposed to have done it, and that was eight months into the relationship. Mm. And I was like, um, I said yeah, but I was like, I, it's too soon. So like him saying that, you know, that dating part, going to when she was like, I'm at my man house. Um, at eight months, she was ready to say, this is my husband. And I was like, you know, we can do it, but we're gonna take our time. We'll just have a long, um, what you call it, engagement. So it was two years before we finally got married. We were engaged for like a year, you know, a little bit over a year. Um, but yeah, I definitely believe, I don't believe that that's one reason that people, yeah. choose, they settle. I just think, you know, I, yeah. hey, I think it's before. It wasn't because I felt like I settled. It was just, I guess it was just selfish. For me, it was a, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it was a selfish act. Um and then just being, I, 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 I used to say that I was addicted to sex, but addicted to sex means you can have sex with anybody. And I definitely wouldn't do it for anybody. But I just have a high sex drive. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's only. I mean, there's, like he, like they said, women settle and men settle. But I do think that there's a multitude of reasons, and you know, one of the reasons from the person who is the one cheating is like a selfish act or. You know, they just want some type of excitement because they may think that their life is boring, or they may think they think something they think something is different once they do this with someone else, mm-hmm. or they have themselves caught up and they just want to just take it one step further, and nobody will find out or whatever on well, both sides. But you know, I don't think it's because people people honestly people settle a lot, and and I think it's just the way that society is going it's so much uh lack of confidence and you know lack of self-esteem and lack of worth and people just kind of want to what is that does that mean like everything on your checklist is not checked off i think not necessarily i mean there are some things that are not checked off but there's when you settle when you just kind of know like um you know like you just know that you don't want to compromise on certain things. Like you know mm-hmm. that you don't want to, like one thing that I settled on was going back to Virginia, like in my past relationship. Like I didn't, I moved back because I didn't want to, I lived in Indiana, but I didn't want to stay in Indiana. So I moved to Virginia as like my middle ground. Okay. Cause that's where I'm from. That's where my sister was at the time and the kids. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to come here and then eventually I'm going to move. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, God allowed me to move here now, but this is where I have been. Something in me was just like, 
it, every time I go back to Virginia, I feel a sadness and a weight on me. So I didn't want to live in Virginia. Yeah, Virginia is very, very clearly very heavy for me. Every time something, every time I go back to Virginia, something not no not so good happens. So I settled thinking that one day we would eventually transition out of Virginia. And there were talks, you know, and sometimes, you know, people make you think that they will move along with you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, unfortunately, you know, in life you got to realize, like, if, if there's just something. I was watching a, uh, something on YouTube, and it was like something is just burning inside you. Steve Harvey, if it's in you, if it's something in you that's calling you to do this thing, unfortunately, you just got, you got one life, and you just got to move along. And so I settled, and I was, like, about to pivot again and move somewhere else, and I didn't want to move. And God was like, now, all right, you're not listening to me. And mm-hmm. so, you know, he transitioned me, unfortunately, in, in a way that I'm not coping with too well, but it was in me. And the doors, eventually the doors opened up, and I just kind of, like, walked out of, everything and just walk into where I wanted to be, walk down here. And I was like, whoa, because when I tried to get down, we were trying to get down here before, it was so much. It was just like this fell through and this fell through and there was snow and this closed door. And you think, you know, okay, it's not our time. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so, you know, it's certain things that you do settle on. Some people are like they get one of um, their partner, one wants kids and one doesn't. And, both of them may think that they can convince each other one day that, you know, to lean over which way. And then the whole time you knew that you wanted children, so why would you stay with someone that didn't want kids, thinking that they would want them? So you settled and wasted five, ten years thinking that eventually you could coerce that person into having children, and they didn't want it. So that's, you know, not just – it's other things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I I I can definitely understand because I I've been through the kid situation before with my ex. Um, so yeah. All right, so moving on, I have this. Now I don't know if this right here is real or not, but uh, it was interesting. We talked about that at the salon. There were a, a few different opposing opinions on it, but I'm going to read it for you. Um, so it says, "Ladies, I have a question. My son is 24 years old, and his dad." Never, ever did anything for him. Seen him maybe five times. I put him on child support, and he never paid it. So it's up to $163,000. Let's say I receive that check. Whose money is it, mine or my son's? The son. (laughs) It says we had a debate about it, and I told him, if he don't get his ass out my face with this BS talking about it's all of his money, I said, it's mine. I did everything for you, and if I decide to give you some, you better be happy. Was I wrong, or was he right? Oh, my. Oh, I hate these conversations, like, because it's kind of hard when you're not like, a parent. At first, to... at first, I was just like, yeah, I was like, it's his. But then I was like, when she said she did everything, right. and I was thinking, he's 24. Yeah. So this is actually, like, to me, it's restitution, even though he didn't choose his dad. You know, mm-hmm. that, that beat dad, whatever. But I, 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 I'm saying it's her. I'm just assuming that he gave, she gave her him a decent life. You know, she mm-hmm. put him in the bed and food and clothes and all the the time and effort. So 
I'm saying is her. And if, if she does give him anything, you know, that's that's on top of it all. But I, I definitely think it's her. Whew. So, yeah, initially that's why, until you read the second, I see why you laughed and read the second part. Because yeah. when she said it's not, that is true because she did everything. Like, he is here because of her. And he is healthy and wherever he is, you know, it's off the strength of her on her back. But I also do think that, you know, if she was struggling, maybe that would have helped out or that could have been money that she could have just been putting aside for his college fund. Like, did he miss out on anything because there was not enough money? Because if that, that could have helped him, you know, do some other things or whatever. So, I, I mean, all of it, I would – it would be nice if, you know, she gave him maybe like half of it. Ooh. Let's split. Let's just split. It's only. Think about it. It's only us two, though. So why? Come on. Like, let's not be selfish with the blessing that you're actually getting now. You know, unfortunately, you had to go through what you did, but mm-hmm. just split it down the middle. Let him go, and and when he blow his. Don't you come ask me for not a penny. <laughs> you know, like make a stipulation. Like I'm gonna give this to you, and you can mm-hmm. start up your business, or you can start, or make maybe yeah. use it as an investment. Into, I'm gonna invest into this. You know, maybe yeah. something like that. If he's not, you know, if he's not successful in his own right, if he's trying or whatever. Yeah. I don't see why not. I mean, at this point, he's grown, and it's just you. So mm-hmm. you're not. I don't. I can't speak them, but. I, Maybe you're not struggling for money, so this mm-hmm. money would just be a nice to have at this point because you've made it past the horrible part, you the know. Horrible, yeah, the, yeah, that very costly everything. Yeah, going. like you've made it, so yeah. just maybe use it as an investment tool for him to rate on return. Like, how can we make money off of this? I'm gonna put this into something, and therefore it's bringing money back to both of us. But you know. And then you keep your share. Like what? Yeah. So I okay. So after hearing you say that, I can see definitely going ahead and giving some money. And I would like some seed money. Okay, you know this is to set you up. Mm-hmm. I hope you do well with the be responsible. This could help you get your first house or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just can't see giving him half. So I would um, off in mm-hmm. my head twenty five thousand. Here's twenty five thousand for you. Oh. At a hundred and sixty something thousand. Yeah, I think she's twenty four. She, how much has she invested? Yeah, but he he can't. He didn't ask to be here, and he can't return that money back to his mom either way. Regardless, he can't give her nothing that she gave him for the time being anyway, unless he, you know, gets to a point yeah. where he can buy a house and car and all that type of stuff. But. She's already been through the mud with him uh-huh. on the back. So this okay. is just a nice, to me, it's just a, a nice, like, you received something. Like, let's just not be selfish about it because it could, it could turn out, yeah, it could yeah. be blown a different way. You could get a tax bill or some random bill, and now it's gone, and now you don't have it. So let's not be too selfish. It's only y'all two. It ain't like it's four of y'all to split. It's two people. <laughs> Cut that right. thing down the middle. Let him go about his business. You go about your business. Don't come over here. Don't come knocking on my door. Right. <laughs> you, you got your money, right? You got right. it. Right. Like, no, you better not act. I'm not, co- and I'm not cooking Sunday dinner no more from today. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. 
Okay, so we have one more um, before I guess I believe our guest is coming back in. Um, so this is he's a retired NBA player. His name is Stephen Jackson. So um, he proposed and was set to marry this woman. He told her months in advance that he wanted her to sign a prenup. Mm -hmm. He delayed it. He requested it several times all the way up until the wedding day. Mm -hmm. He asked again the day of, and she still refused. Well, he left her at the altar. He told the DJ to just play some music, and the first song played at Stephen's request was Kanye West's Gold Digger. Was he wrong for leaving for one, Stephen Smith is a jerk anyway when he played in the NFL. So, yes, he's wrong because he's a jerk. But um, I think that that was just the way he went about it was wrong. Like, I can understand that if she didn't sign it, you knew she – if we are within a week out and she hasn't signed it, she's not going to sign it next week. We get married on next Saturday, you know? Yeah, yeah. So by the Saturday before, she ain't signed it. And she not she don't have an appointment on Monday to go to the lawyer's office. She's not gonna sign it. So why? What like to me it was just humiliation for no reason because she didn't humiliate him. She just didn't sign the paperwork. Mm -hmm. But he humiliated her at the wedding, like allowing her. Oh, I can't. Go ahead. You go. You go. <laughs> so okay. I mean. Yeah, I, I, I think that was a little bit. I, I mean, I would have called it off. I guess he was making a point and embarrassing her so everybody would know. But, yeah, I thought that was a little bit. But, I mean, I definitely get that he wanted it signed and she didn't sign. I probably would have ended it a lot sooner than before yeah. the day of. But um, who knows? She That, that could have been her plan the whole time. I don't, I don't know. But I just when I read that, I was like, is this serious? So I had to do some research. And it was like, yeah, that indeed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. something. All right. Okay. So we're going to go to a quick break. Our guest of the evening is in the studio, Ms. Elaine Mercedes Mendoza. She's going to talk to us again about the power of labels to change your story. So we will be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We'll be right back. Imagine being fired because of who you love. Imagine being denied medical treatment because of who you marry. Imagine being evicted because of who you are. Millions of Americans don't have to imagine this. They have to live it. Because in 30 states, it's legal to discriminate against LGBT people. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. Imagine a lady who wouldn't give up her seat on the bus, a TV host who wanted to be your neighbor, or an inventor whose 10,000 failures didn't stop him. These vivid images all share the same caption, inspiration. These people just did their best, and they inspire us. Now, what will you do to inspire others? Inspiration is in you. From PassItOn.com. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Welcome back. So season nine concludes tonight with Elaine Mercedes Mendoza as our special guest. She assists individuals in seeing that the labels they cling to have a direct bearing on their perceived worth. 
We can achieve our freedom and happiness by letting go of unhealthy attachment to labels once we learn to recognize what is influencing us. Not only does Elaine preach about diversity and inclusion, but she has dedicated her entire life to developing her activism for a more just society. She has four content labels, so she has personal experience with that is like to be the target of bigotry. Make sure that you also, there's a link on our website, livewithwill.com, of her TEDx lecture, The Power of Labels to Change Your Store. So please help me welcome to the show for this final interview for season nine, our guest, Ms. Elaine Mercedes Mendoza. Welcome to the show. Hi, you guys. Hi, hi, everyone. It's really hi. great to be here tonight. Thank you for Thank making me your guest tonight. <laughs> How no are you? Problem. No problem. We're, we're doing well. We're doing so well. Um, so give us a little bit more. I saw a whole bunch of things on your Instagram. I saw you drinking that delicious drink on your on your profile picture. Um, <laughs> so what, what do you do and exactly why? How, what, what made you so passionate about the labels that we carry? Yes. Well, to rewind a little bit, I, uh, I guess a lot of people fantasize about one day leaving their job, quitting, mm-hmm. you know, their lifestyle. And I actually, I did that. I did that back in 2015. And I said, I want to travel. I can't continue this lifestyle. And I started becoming nomadic around that time. I was supposed to leave for one year, but it's eight and a half years later and I'm still out there. <laughs> uh, I started writing a journal and in my journal, it was very personal. I started to notice the cultural differences between the United States and other countries. And as I read my own journal, the topic of labels kept showing up and I'm like, wait a minute, why am I discussing labels? Why is it night after night? I was discussing how other people view life versus how we view life in America. And I realized after a while that I had almost studied labels and lived labels as well. You know, I grew up in the U.S. and uh, yeah, I myself have suffered the consequences of having the wrong labels (laughs) in our society. When you say the wrong labels, Mm -hmm. elaborate on that. Uh, Yes. Well, I'm an immigrant from an immigrant family. I am Latina. I'm a woman. I'm a part of the LGBTQ community. So when you turn on the TV, when you look at politicians discussing issues, you realize that our stories are being told only in one way. They don't give us the chance to tell our own stories. So around 2016, I became very triggered. I was like, wait a minute, they're not saying the whole story. They're not saying the whole truth. And around that time, I started to feel like I needed to be more public, that I needed to share my story because people are not hearing it from the horse's mouth directly. And uh, that's when I decided to, to be public and to start sharing some of our stories, which are very important. Awesome. So, um, so around the labels, since you kind of um, have kind of went through that process and mm-hmm. picked out a few, um, <clears throat> maybe call yourself an expert on the labels, what would you say are the top three labels that people in the Western world associate with? Ah, yes, that's a good question. I would say something that I noticed right away as soon as I left the U.S. is nobody asks me what I do for a living. What do you do? Nobody. 
So I first landed in Prague, Czech Republic, and then I've lived in Portugal. I've been to Turkey, Italy. I'm nomadic, so every three months I'll go somewhere else. But nobody asked me this, and I realized this was very specific to the U.S. So I would say I think we're very attached to what we do for a living in the U.S. as as if it determines our self-worth somehow. Also, I would say we're very attached to nationality as well. I noticed other cultures, they like their country. You know, they're very proud of their countries. But I don't hear any other country saying we're the best in the world or uh, we're the leaders of the free world. (laughs) All of these things, other countries. I was very surprised to find out that they find that to be very humorous. They're like, oh, silly Americans. (laughs) Uh, that was shocking to me. They see it as a joke, like it's funny to them. Uh, So I guess we're very attached to nationality. And also I would say uh, material belongings. I noticed that other places don't, they just don't have as much as we do. And they're not worried about it either. They're not out there standing in line on Black Friday. They, They think that's crazy. They think that's crazy. <laughs> so I, I would say those three labels are huge. Um, and nationality cuts into other things. It cuts into the immigration issues. It mm-hmm. cuts into some racism, uh, diversity and inclusion problems that we have mm-hmm. in our country. So, and I was a direct, I don't like the word victim, but I, I suffered the consequences of that. So imagine going to college for years. Imagine growing up in the United States from the time you're six years old and you graduate from college and suddenly immigration tells you, you can't be here. You can't work here. You can't do anything. You can study here. We'll take your money. That's good. But we want you to leave one year after graduation. And that's what happened to me. And I think people get brainwashed into this idea that immigrants are taking advantage of the system, but nobody ever shares how we are also taken advantage because mm-hmm. I, was, I was never illegal. My family was never illegal. We followed every rule and I was rejected. And until this day, I'm like, why? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? What happened here? You don't hear this story on the news. You don't hear uh-huh. it. Right, of course, yeah. So I have a, a compounded question. So you mentioned um, mm-hmm. outside of the United States, and you mentioned a whole bunch of wonderful places I would love to visit that you've been to. So you mentioned that you don't hear, you know, what do you do? And I just, that, that hit me because go to every networking event, like one of the first things, they don't ask you, mm-hmm. you know, your or anything like that. The first question that makes me cringe is, so, so well, what do you do? Yeah. I'm like, is, what is that going to you know determine whether you're going to continue this conversation or what? But I don't know why that just uh. so in all hmm. the places that you've been. Is that are you not hearing that or is it just in- no? Nobody asks me that. I swear it's so weird. Uh, I've lived in Mexico as well. Mm-hmm. They they may say oh. Uh, I, I may share in, in casual conversation, oh, yeah, I, I'm a mentor and I'm a teacher as well, and 
I'm an author. And they're like, oh, okay, are you happy? They basically ask me, are you happy? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty happy. They're like, okay, you want something to eat. It, it's not a big deal. It's right. not a big deal. And it's not important to them. And I, I fell in love with being overseas to the point that I've relocated to Europe because I find that we value each other differently. And yeah. as, as somebody who grew up in the Washington, D.C. area and lived in New York City where it's all about networking and who you know, and what's really happening is people are networking because whatever you tell them, they start telling themselves a story of who they think you are. And at the end of the day, how can you help them? Right. You know, right. so I started to notice that a, a person inviting you out for lunch in the U.S., sometimes, not always, they're networking. A mm -hmm. person ask, asking you out for lunch and here in Spain, they are literally just asking you out to lunch. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to go on with your guards up because, okay, this is leading to something. You know, it's not just a casual asking for, you know, to go out to lunch. Yeah, I've experienced, that's horrible. Now I'm getting upset. But, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, <laughs> people say, you know what, I would love to take you to lunch. In the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, God, what do they want? Because I know it's leading to, to something. It but, happened okay. to me. Yeah, it's happened to me okay. before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's where after when I got the TED talk, I there's a lot of people were suddenly very interested in being my friend. And yeah. I remember this one person was like, Oh, let me ask you out to lunch. When is your TEDx rehearsal? I'm like, uh, Oh my gosh, really? Maybe, maybe I can come with you. And I said, well, we can do dinner any other time. No, no, I want to meet, I want to meet the crew. I was like, wow, wow. <laughs> Subtle. <laughs> Oh. That is something. Okay, but um, so both Summer and I both, we are on this personal growth journey. Different mm -hmm. reasons, but for a while we have been, it's a personal growth and a spiritual journey. What would be some of your advice that you would give us and other people, you know, who are just getting started in their own personal growth journey? Yes, I think the first thing we have to not get rid of, but to start looking at as an observer is our story. Because I think we get really attached to our stories. Oh, I was born here, and then I did this, and then this terrible thing happened to me, and then we end up being stuck in that story. Because this happened to me, this is the result of my life now. And I think we all have a story that can justify why we are the way we are. But at some point, we must be like, okay, you know what? Enough of this. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. And I actually, that's the first, the first chapter I wrote was, I am not my story. Because, you know, I, I will confess that after immigration rejected me, I was depressed because imagine studying to be on Broadway someday, you study musical theater, years of voice lessons, and immigration says, nope, we don't mm -hmm. want you. So that's a very tragic story. But if I had gotten stuck in that story, I wouldn't be doing all the things that I'm doing now. So really? I can take that experience and learn from it and be like, yes, this did happen to me. But because this happened to me, I know what it feels like to be discriminated, and I can use that story 
turn it around into something positive and be like, you know what, guys, this is 2023. This racism, all of this nonsense has got to stop at some point, (laughs) you know? But uh, I wouldn't feel that way if I had not gone through that experience, you know? So, yeah. Changing that story. But, yeah, I think I definitely can relate to that. Awesome. So you mentioned that you're a nomad and you kind of move around every three months. Um, have mm-hmm. you found a home base? And if you did, what made you decide to stay in that one area or country? Or Yes, I found a home base. I'm actually waiting for the paperwork as we speak right now. I moved to Spain, to Spain. And the reason I moved here was I know, I started to notice that when I was here, I felt really sad leaving. It just felt, it started to feel like home. I wasn't having uh, fantasies of going to another country. I'm like, wait a minute, there's something going on here. I really love it here. And uh, I have tons of friends here from childhood because the world has a way of uniting with your loved ones. So I have basically friends that are like family from Venezuela, which is the country I was born in. And we have reunited later in life, which is amazing. And uh, I guess the quality of life really caught my attention here. It's like the opposite of the U.S. Uh, People take, I mean, they invented the siesta. (laughs) And it's true. It's true. I am not joking. I'll take a lunch break around 1 p.m. And I'm like, oh, I forgot that they close everything. They take it seriously because to them it's, I'm going to go home, I'm going to have lunch with my family, and I'm going to take a nap. And that's literally what they do. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that caught my attention, you know, having dinners with your friends for three hours. I noticed on Sunday I went out for brunch and I was like, what? I did not see one cell phone. No one was looking at their cell phones. Yeah. And I I felt like I went back to 1985. (laughs) They enjoyed each other. They enjoy each other. Yes. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I'm settling here. I'm moving to the north of Spain probably later this year, later this year. So um, going back to, you said, you know, we have to get over the story that we're playing in our mind. And I know because of the culture, listening to you and connecting the dots mentally, you know, that's mm-hmm. question. And you, you know, what do you do that brings on those spirits of being um, insecure? And am I good enough? Am I safe enough? And feeling like you could be a villain. Um, what's been your greatest failure and how did you recover from it? My biggest failure and how did I recover from it? Well, going back to I spent nine years in New York City and around that time I had to face the fact that everything I had studied was not going to come true. I was not going to pursue a career in in the theater at the time. I went to musical theater school. So for me, that was a failure because I had to deal with this paperwork. And that took, people are shocked when I tell them this, but my family originally moved to the U.S. in 1980. I became a U.S. citizen in 2012. So during that time, I basically lost my college career at the time, at least at least the one in theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
the way I dealt with it was, okay, this is painful. This is painful, uh, but I have to move forward. The way I dealt with it was, how can I take this experience and let it make me a better person instead of making me angry or bitter? And I, I looked at other skills I, that I have, because I also went to college for communications. And I started, I started expressing myself, because I realized that theater is one way to express yourself, but I'm a writer now, and I've written, uh, I have two publishing works under my name, and that's a way of expressing myself as well. So in a way, when one door closes, something else opens up. So I look at it positively. Yeah. And I share my story like I'm doing tonight. Exactly. And you, you got the TEDx. You um, talked about that a little bit earlier. Your TEDx talk, The Power of Labels to Change the Story. How did that come about? And tell us a little bit about what you Yes. I'm remembering that night because I had a fever and bronchitis oh right before doing the TED Talk. I, I, God has a sense of humor, I guess. But <laughs> this was in Florida in 2019. So imagine the year before U.S. elections. And I'm not a political person, but my story tends to trigger some major political issues. And... I remember auditioning for TEDx before, seven or eight times before I actually got it. And I remember somebody telling me, Elaine, the story you're supposed to tell is the one you're most afraid of telling, because this is not something I even spoke about. No one wants to say, hey, you know, I had immigration problems. It's a very taboo issue, and it, it's something I wanted to put behind me and not even talk about. But then when I noticed how important that election was and that the TEDx was in Florida, I said, oh, wow, I have to gather some courage to stand on stage and be like, I'm an immigrant, I'm Latina, I'm queer <laughs> in, Flor in Sarasota, Florida, which is a highly, you know, it's a blue state, right? So, no, no, it's not a blue state, it's a red state, it's a red yeah. state. So that was terrifying. It was terrifying. I, I remember my legs shaking and I could hear my heart. I could hear it. Even though I was talking on stage, I could hear it. That's how scared I was. And when I looked into the audience, it was just a very conservative audience. And I just did it because I felt it was important that they hear our side of the story. You know, I had a a family that brought me to the U.S. and we followed every rule in the book. Why are we getting rejected? Why are we getting rejected? I think it's not difficult to speculate that a Latino immigrant is going to be treated differently than the immigrant from Norway, Germany, Denmark. Yeah. Awesome. So you have um, currently have a book out, is that correct? Yes. Awesome. Yes, so we just want to know a little bit about where we can find your book and maybe what's next for you. Sure, sure. You can find my book on Amazon. It is. It made number one under LGBTQ memoirs back in February, and oh, it wow. made num. It made number two under spirituality. And uh, I did give Amazon Prime members the ability to download the book for free, and mm -hmm. I do have a paperback as well. Because for me, it's not about money. For me, it was sort of, wow, it was meant for me to write this book. People need to 
people need to hear our stories from us, mm-hmm. not from a not from a politician that yeah. has your vote, that wants your vote, not from the media that sometimes, you know, sometimes the media can show immigrants under a very negative light. And mm-hmm. uh, I felt I felt it was important. I'm not trying to be rich. I'm like, hey, Amazon Prime, you want people to download it for free? Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna download it. <laughs> tell our <laughs> tell our listeners like what um, did you advise what the name of the book was? Oh yes, yes, that might be important. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, considering I, it was a play on words. I've been dehumanized many, in many ways from who I could marry, you know, 15 years ago, who I could love, uh, where I could work legally. So it's called Humanized, The Journey Back to You Without Labels. And I, it's important to say that I researched this book. It's not just me saying, oh, this is my opinion. I did give the book to a behavioral scientist who studies human behavior for a living. And I, I went to her and I said, can you read my book? Because I want to make sure that what I learned through experience is something that you have learned through your research and education. And she supported my book. She supported my book and said that, you know, we all learn in different ways. So Every chapter in the book, I researched a different label from I am not my nationality to I am not my sexuality. Mm-hmm. I am not my family because family is a big label. People yeah. have a lot of problems with their family. Yeah. Uh, I am not my job. And I finally end the book with, well, if I'm not all of these things, then who are we? And I won't ruin it for you. So. <laughs> <laughs> cover too. The cover is Yeah, this is nice. Ah, oh, that was in Mexico. I was covered in mud. They <laughs> made me a, a, a little Mayan princess and I was like, okay, I like this. I like this. <laughs> well, that's Can't wait ah. to get into it. That's good. Yeah. Yes. So let us know what's next for you and where can everyone find you on social media platforms as well. Yes, what's next for me is I am uh I'm a, I'm I'm because a lot of people have asked for my advice to move overseas and a lot of people are in transitions, I'm becoming a certified transitions coach and I'm also going to be recording my audiobook. A lot of my friends and even readers were like, "Wow, Elaine, your book would be great as an audiobook." So I'm working on that as well. Well, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, of I'm course. Get the connection and everything good. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there, there were some issues with the, the something about the phone line or something, but I'm glad we were yeah. able to hear you loud and clear. That is great. Oh, wonderful. This microphone works good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, and we're going to continue following you, and we're definitely going to read this book. Ah, oh, thank you. I think you'll you'll learn you'll learn something from it. And I, we all, we all have labels. You don't have to have the same labels as I do to get something from this book. Well, we thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you for having you. me. Thank no you. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey. So the power of labels to change your story. I can't wait. I just downloaded it. Okay. 
So, do we have any other topics? Let me see. We only have about, what, four minutes in the show. There was one. You know what? I do have one. I wasn't going to play anything like this. So, we're going to do this, and, and let's see what we both say. Here we go. There have been situations when I've been with a moron who tried to convince me that I was a moron too. But when you love somebody more than you love yourself, you'll start looking at yourself like, you know what, maybe I'm a moron. And then it's not until you meet somebody who's as soft as you, as strong as you, as mature as you, then you realize that, you know, I was just dealing with a person and I needed I needed a reminder I needed I needed a fresh set of eyes on the art that is Mike and it's like damn because if I stay in the situation too long and just and a woman's telling me how much I, I displease her or how she's unsatisfied with me I take the home with me just like any human does we got feelings so I, I you can be with somebody so long and just because they're not putting their hands on you don't mean they're not hurting you Is it true that being with the wrong person can make you doubt your work and yourself? <laughs> you, want, you want me to answer? <laughs> well, oh, let's keep this short and cute because I, I ain't going to make it through. But, yeah, I definitely agree that um, there are, yes, that that people can make you feel and hurt you and, and make you feel like though it's, it's you and you know even though you walk away from the situation eventually you know that did uh, you did take a hit on your confidence and your self-worth because you know the way that they played on your emotions the way that they spoke to you the way you know that they just kind of made you sit down and think, well, maybe I'm tripping, but no, like the guy said, like it's, you need another set of eyes to realize the beauty in you and you're not too much. And, you know, you, you deserve, you deserve everything that you're asking for. And no one's going to be perfect, but you definitely deserve. And that person is out there for you. And that's, that's, that's all I can say. Go ahead. <laughs> Do you think that um, that is a part of the job? of a good significant other to realize that you may have insecurities and to help mend those and feel those? Do you, or do you think that if they say something to hurt you, that that was the seed that was already planted? Like if they're joking, if, they, if they're saying things about, um, like you were saying, whoever was talking to him, that you were already having those type of insecurities and he just magnified them with his words, which people pretty much can smell. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but do you think someone who's being a good spouse to you would realize that okay, like let's say it's weight, you know, me and my me and my my husband we joke around with weight because both of us have some weight issues. But you know, I really have some weight issues, and of course sometimes he says some things that kind of tear me down. But then, sorry, well, I I do the same thing, and you know sometimes I'm like, well, is that good that we do that to each other? Because I know he concerned about his way or should I be the one who's trying to lift him up and you know tell him that you know he can lose weight if he wants to if he doesn't he feel good without that sometimes I ask those questions myself while I'm sitting at the red light in my car at the red you know I'm like <laughs> should I have said that even though it was a joke and we laugh because sometimes he says some things and I laugh but you know it'll stick with me I'm like, you know, 
I don't know if that classifies in the. I don't want to tear his work down. I want to be the person who just comes up. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that um, there people are people are people, and we all have feelings, and we're going to go into the relationship with some insecurities. I think that we do need to do some work outside of you know our significant other and if you're single try to do that work before you get in there and then just recognize your own triggers you know like if weight you know is is an issue then you know kind of sit down and let that person know hey you know this is sensitive to me but once you do that you also have to realize that not everything that is going to be mentioned is a dig at your weight so if you're still feeling that way, then that's something that you've got to rectify within yourself. Or, yeah, like, yeah. someone has issues with their family, you know, like, people will play on that. Like, that's why your mom don't love you, because you, you like, you act like this. You can't talk to, you know, right. that to me is a dig. And you know that I have issues with my mom or my family, and you're digging at me on purpose because we're arguing. Our argument shouldn't have anything to do with my insecurity or anything outside of this. So, yes, I do think it's a conversation that should be had, and, you know, I think that it's also on your spouse to lift you up in a certain way, but I think that it's got to be like a 60-40. A you've got to lift yourself up, too. So you've got that 60. They've got 40. So whenever you walk away, you can walk away with your 60 no matter what. Well, Summer, we made it. We did it. And, you know, Justin was talking to me about a conversation that you guys had about, you know, some ideas. I loved it. I would love to talk about it a little bit more. But for let's face it with Will Strayhorn and friends, we have made it through season nine. I cannot give you a date of when I will be back. We we will be back. But um, I would love to see a different format. I would love to even see a different show. Um, but, you know. We'll see it. But until then, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and being open and honest and transparent and sharing your feelings um, and your time with me. I really, really appreciate it and you. Do you have anything to say before we say our final goodbye? Um, I just, I, I think I went out on a quote last time, so I'll just go out on this quote that I found the other day. Um, what felt like rejection might have actually been redirection and protection. He's mm-hmm. sovereign overall. What's for you is for you. Let him lead you. Yeah, that's right. And on that note, we're going to say goodbye for now, season nine. Um, we'll see you when we see you. Night, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to tonight's show. I hope you get a chance during the week to visit our site at livewithwill.com for up-to-date show information, including exclusive opportunities and exciting upcoming interviews. Be sure to tune in next week, same place, same time, for another informative show of real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it, 